English podcasts, success stories from beyond the English language barrier. Follow along with the transcript linked in the description. Hello and welcome to the Natural English Podcast. If this is your first time, my name is Nahum and I'm a teacher at the Natural Language Institute. And in this podcast, we talk to non-native English speakers who have followed different career paths or projects, and we hear about how English has played a part in their journey. And as a reminder, there's a lot of content you can access to really study and understand this conversation, and the link to that is in the description if you'd like to access that. So today, we have someone from the field of economics, uh, Lautaro. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nahum. How are you doing? Good. I hope I, hope I pronounced it correctly. Uh, oh, I hope that I pronounced yours correctly too, <laughs> but I think that neither of us did it well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're calling each other by completely different... Oh, but yours was for sure much better. It's Lautaro. It's just a matter uh, of where the... Lauta, the Lautaro. Was. Yeah. Uh, is. but yours it, you, you tell me once but yeah sorry, it's, it's Nayum. Okay. it can be a little bit tricky yeah uh, <laughs> well Lautaro uh, first yeah. question so people know where where are you from where are you calling from today okay so I'm from Argentina but from Buenos Aires more specifically but I'm calling you from Stanford California that it's like uh, 40 minutes in, uh, go, going south from San Francisco. Awesome, awesome. And what is it that you do? So I'm a first year grad student in Stanford. I'm doing a PhD in economics. Uh, so that's, that's what I do. It sounds quite like maybe daunting that name, but it's just <laughs> going to courses for now and later I will start to develop my own research agenda, my own research projects. Yeah, I mean, Stanford University is pretty famous across the world. Anyone who knows anything about universities has heard of Stanford University. Um, so what led you to decide to take a PhD in economics? So, well, I... I always has like interested. I, I always was interested in the questions of like broad questions of economics. Uh, I've started my undergrad studies as like undergrad studies in, in history, but I always take courses. I always was choosing courses that were quite related to economics. So uh, after a year or so, I totally changed towards economics. And I like it, this type of question that relates well, uh, that relates policy uh, questions or policy relevant questions with like academic answer or, or like very precise answers. But I, I wasn't so sure about doing this uh, until I started working at, at government in my country. Uh, there, I learned a lot from policy-oriented research, but I saw at some point, you know, policy research has these tight deadlines that you have to meet and you need answers for like one week, two weeks, one day, maybe. Right. And uh, I thought that, that there were many interesting questions that, that came from that side, from policy research, but there was, there was, there was no time to, to, to give a, a like, 
complete and satisfactory answer. You, it's okay to, because because policy is not waiting for the best fancy answer possible. Yeah. It's just new things on time and it, it's, it's how it should work, you know. But I personally, I felt that I can, I could develop much more time to get more precise and more interesting things from these interesting questions. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what leads someone to take a PhD is to really go deep <laughs> and spend a good part of, uh, oh, I don't know, five, six years, sometimes yeah, more, exactly. exploring some, some questions. Um, just, just to study six years and then it's your whole life at some point. So. Yeah, you have to be curious for that. Um, so, uh, Lautaro, I know that you've spent some time at the World Bank in, in the US. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Obviously, this global institution uh, works across so many countries. So what was your job at the World Bank? Well, um, I, the, well mostly the, the World Bank has, has like two big sectors to the bigger areas. Uh, one is the, the proper bank, you know, the people who make projects or just receive projects from, from all country members and, and, and they give credit to these countries to develop these projects. Uh, and that's one area, maybe the most known area of the World Bank. But there, there's another huge area that is more like a university or, or a research center that make uh, a, a lot of research that it's quite big. And it's divided in, in across areas of, of interest. I don't know, uh, poverty, trade, uh, something called governance. I think there are many, many subfields inside and also divided by regions. So I was in one that is called uh, Poverty Lack, that, that is for Latin America and Caribbean countries. So this is focused on uh, on poverty and like education and how to take down, with a title down poverty in specifically in these countries. Uh, there I was a short-term consultant and I was part of the of a team that uh, which has a, a very technical like object. Mm. Uh, we had to let me try to explain this with the most basic way but measuring poverty it has like three biggest steps. These are like choosing a basket of goods uh, and services that mm. we believe that is reasonable to like a bare minimum. Uh, then choosing uh, how to put price choose, choose prices for these these goods and services sure uh, and then you have the, the, the value of this basket with this value of, of this basket that is called a poverty line or, or the, there are many but one of them is a poverty line the, the most known um, then you have to compare them with the income of the of the people yeah so this make the basket uh, give a, a putting prices to this, this basket and then uh, measure income are the three biggest steps. Sure. However, uh, the devil are in the details here. So yeah. we had to gather a lot of information. Yeah. Good expression. Devil, devil in the detail. Yeah. The details <laughs> yeah, for sure. important yeah. thing. Yeah. Because there are many, many, many decisions that you have to make in order to like put in practice these, these big concepts. Uh, and they are not always like, they, they are fundamental, but there are many, many options as well. What, what I should do if I, I, I want to get a good measure of poverty. So we had to gather these practices of many statistics office of different countries uh, in, in Latin America. And we have to 
provide uh, internal documents that, that explain why they do that and uh, which are the best practices to, to follow or where are the trade-off or which which tool you would use in some scenarios, which, which tool you would use in other scenarios. So it was quite technical. It was also related to data because we, we had to see in data what thing works and what thing didn't work so much. So involved a, a, a bit of a bit not a ton of, of research <laughs> and a lot of also like working in, in coding and, and working with the actual databases. So it, it was fun. We were a small team, but we worked a lot. And, and, yeah. And I think that we did a, a good a good job. Yeah, it sounds it sounds very interesting. Kind of finding that barometer to measure poverty and how it changes over time uh, sounds very interesting. So Lautaro. How, how did you use English in the World Bank, um, if, if at all? How, how did you use it? This is funny because uh, since uh, we were doing research oriented to Latin American countries, uh, a bunch of the staff is also from Latin America, like a lot of Latin American economists. So yeah. in, in like everyday work conversation, Spanish was the, the standard, uh, but the problem was that many times, uh, the, like our superiors or maybe some mates of other areas uh, pop in and we we have to start speaking English. Yeah. There was like kind of a, a rule that if there was someone that was not Spanish speaker, we should English. So uh, because if not, you tend to like isolate him. If yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it was weird because I thought that this, this accepting this job at Washington with a good idea to make a soft landing in the US before the, I started the PhD. And yeah. it would be a good opportunity to learn a lot about the, of, of English in, in work, you know, every day. And then I arrived to the office and we used a lot of Spanish. At some time, I had some hard problems, presentations, and, and, and that was quite challenging because we were all the time discussing technical things yeah. but in Spanish and then you have to switch, you know? <laughs> yeah, present the same the same information you've discussed in one language in, in, <laughs> in another language. I guess yeah, it could probably cause some confusion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a good a good a great skill to be able to present present in English <laughs> as well. Yeah. And well just moving forward to Stanford University getting a place there i guess people will want to know <laughs> many people dream of getting into a university of a similar standard to stanford was it a big challenge to get a place to secure that phd position well uh for sure it was a great challenge but uh, i mean my my background is not like a background of, of a guy that for sure he he know like where he would be like to be in. like when, when i was undergrad i didn't realize that i would be here now or i didn't thought about it like every time so i i didn't make every step in my life in order to be here so it it was much more erratic my way through the well school um but yeah it was like quite difficult the the application process itself it's very stressful but it's that's that's a matter of one year, you know. And in that application process, you have some requirements, like hard requirements. You need to have some relevant, like, like good grades in, in standardized exams. Uh, one of them is it's in English too, so you have to be proficient at some point in in English. 
But I think that, that these hard requirements are not the, the hardest part to, to make a good application. It's much more uh, like a, a soft set of things that you, since they are like, they're not so easy to like, uh, it's not like a checklist, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, say like, soft set, yeah. You're, not, you're not like ticking off requirements like, okay, English exam and maybe an IELTS at this level. Okay, tick. Um, it's kind of, I guess you kind of then is selling your your vision for what you want to research or oh well that is also true but but I think that before even before that uh, or to be more concrete you know to like to me it was very important to start uh, before my PhD application to to do a master and to be engaged with people that were that had been in this place before like faculty or like uh, students that were graduate students at that moment and are coming to Argentina to present something. So it was like much more a thing of, of a start to develop this kind of network where you know people that are doing this type of stuff. And, and well, at some point, if you get interested in, in, this, in these things, you start like having conversations with them, get, get some contact with, get in contact with, with these people. And, and that is a set of things that much more time to develop. And uh, Lautaro, talking a little bit about how English is now, I guess it's fun, fun, pretty fundamental to studying your PhD <laughs> now. Uh, in what ways, what sort of activities do you mostly use English? Maybe, I don't know if it's, you need it for presentations or if it's important for research or maybe everything involves English at this stage. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, everything involves English now. Uh, not, well, not everything since I, I moved to Stanford with my wife and <laughs> speak English at home. So yeah. it's not like 24 hours in English. But uh, if you don't do that way, it's going to be 24 hours <laughs> in English. So I think that mostly now that I'm, everything is online and the, the, the most like necessary skill in English is to be able to communicate uh, in, a, in a quick and way to make your point, to, I don't know, to make a good question. Yeah, in the middle of the class, let's suppose uh, yeah. this morning I was in a class, so there are, I don't know, 30 people in the Zoom, maybe many of them are bored because Zoom classes tend to be get bored at some point if, if they are quite long. So if you have a question, you have to be like precise, concrete, you have to be focused. It's not the same as in class. So it's key to be able to communicate things clearly and also key to to interact with your mates because the world in terms of study doing uh like actual exercise problems you know yeah uh, it's it's a lot and you have to it's it's a group thing at some point if you just isolate and try to do it all by yourself it's quite hard or at least to me it's it's quite hard it's too many things new to hard things new so i like to study in groups and then i realized that i'm not so good like uh being also again efficient and, and, and precise in this type of yeah. communication so this is a lot of learn besides the the phd courses yeah i think it's impressive obviously to study uh, abroad in a different language and at the same time the expectation is the same as though you're you're a native speaker right there's <laughs> it is not like an exception like oh, okay you can take a little bit longer uh no, no, totally <laughs> you have to be at the same level so i think you know we, we say ha ha hats off to people who study abroad um it's very 
very brave and a great experience to have. And, and it's incredible since uh, I believe that econ, economics, economic like uh, teaching also in Argentina, and I believe that in many countries, it's with respect to other, other careers, it's much more permitted by, by English. You know, you read papers in, in, in English, in, 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 even undergrad school. So, uh, and, and I was used to read in English a lot, mm. uh, but it's different, you know, because you read, but your head is thinking in Spanish. And now this, the, in this live, live action, you know, you have to think in English. Yeah, and it's quite difficult. I, I, I mean, uh, there are moments in the, in the day that they are explaining something and it's quite technical and quite fast in English. I'm my head, maybe if I'm tired, it starts to... Yeah. My English ear, <laughs> I say it's completely closed and I just hear yeah. popping like, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I need a rest. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Um, Lautaro, last, last question. People who are thinking about studying abroad, could be the US, UK, Australia, in an English-speaking country, one piece of advice would you give of how they can best prepare for that? Okay, so so the main piece of advice that uh, I would say is this one that we were talking about. If you are really interested in, in this, you should start to make some networking with people that, that are in a similar position that you would expect to do in the future that or, or went to some university that it's related to, to this university that you are aiming to or it's in the field of that of what, what you are interested because these advisors are going to help you a lot and be engaged with them uh, in, in a work relation or research relations just like yeah. uh, just appear and say hey I'm interested in your work I, I am willing to do something like that in the future so what what is your suggestions what do you have any advice for me uh, I, I, in my case I, I had great advisors one of them was like my my boss for for three years and was a, yeah. a, a very great uh, advisor for me and he opened me this opportunity uh, not not directly you know, it's not the thing that oh he pick a phone and he <laughs> has the key to open no, but but it's, yeah. it's like being with people that have gone through the the, the this this path that yeah. you want to do it's it's like the the way to to know how to to, to arrive there you know yeah well connected people who have I don't know, had that experience i guess that's part of the reason behind this podcast is also to help give people that guidance as well they are, have big dreams and big plans for their mm-hmm. career um Thank you so much, Lautaro, for your advice. You're telling about your time at the World Bank, your time at Stanford University and your PhD, which we wish you all the best for. And thanks, thanks, thanks for the advice. I'm sure people will be very interested in, in what you had to say. Uh, so if you have enjoyed this conversation, be sure to check out our website where you can study the conversation, look at the vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation points. And see you next time.